I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Farrar. Welcome to the Feminine Roadmap Podcast, a global community of women in midlife. We gather here weekly over a cup of something wonderful for real talk, life-changing strategies, and a big dose of sisterhood. Now, please sit back and enjoy. Hello, Feminine Roadmappers. Welcome back to Feminine Roadmap Podcast, the podcast that helps you navigate the challenges and changes of midlife and to live a more vibrant second half. If you find us today on YouTube, please click subscribe, ring that bell so you don't miss any more content. And if you're on a podcast platform, please subscribe, rate, and share this conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about how you can move from a limited mindset to a growth mindset. My guest today is Michaela Renee Johnson. She's a psychotherapist. She's a best-selling author, and she's a top iTunes podcast host. Michaela, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Now, I understand that you have a new book out, The Growth Mindset Workbook. Now, can you tell me what led you to be focused on this particular topic? I think throughout the last couple of years, one of the things that I've noticed is that, um, you know, people either kind of took one of two mindsets, either everything in the world is happening to me, or I have a really good opportunity to kind of change the way that I'm living my life and really think about what I want to create. And so the, you know, the growth mindset workbook just has impeccable timing where there are a lot of people, I think that are kind of trying to find their new identification, their new inner truth or the inner truth that they've always had, but that they had squashed because they got busy and wrapped up in the way that life used to be. Mm -hmm. Isn't that absolutely true? You've really seen almost like a dividing line, huh? It seems so. Yeah. And, you know, sadly, I think that there are times where we need to be in a fixed mindset. I think it can be very, you know, productive and positive for what we need at the time. But there does seem to come a time where people start to realize, ah, you know, this fixed mindset is really holding me back from my true potential. Mm, yeah. Well, for people who are not aware of what a fixed mindset and a growth mindset are, why don't you just take a moment to explain fundamentally what that means? I mean, fundamentally, a fixed mindset is uh, kind of oriented to what I said earlier a little bit, which is that, you know, I see the world as static without me having the ability to influence it much. I think that things are happening to me and that I am not in control of a lot of what um, my circumstances are or my experiences are. A growth mindset says you know, I recognize that I'm having this experience. I'm not afraid to take a chance or a risk on changing the way this experience feels for me. And I'm really willing to see what else or how else I can look at situations, relationships, and experiences. Mm -hmm. 
I know the work in the study that I've done on limited mindset, I always think visually, and it reminds me of a pie, right? There's only enough pie to go around and I got to get mine or I won't get any. That's how I see a limited mindset I working like for some I people. I thought about it like that, but that is definitely one way to consider it, that if you're, if you're not going to make a change, if you're not going to do something, if you're not going to get involved, then you're definitely not going to get your slice of the pie. <laughs> yeah. If you sit back while everyone else is diving in, it's going to be gone. <laughs> well, just thinking in terms of how some people see the world as limited resources, limited opportunities, right? And it sometimes can encourage people to be maybe cutthroat or really harsh with other people, because if you have it, I can't, right? Or, you know, it's everything's very much competitive in a limited mindset in, in that I understand it. Whereas that growth mindset says, you know what, Michaela, you can be su a successful podcast host and I can be a successful podcast host. They can both exist at the same time without one of us being harmed by that reality. Well, it's really funny that you say that because I recently had an experience where, and I've, I've learned this secondhand, but that um, one of the things that I've been working on for quite a few months now is getting my multi-engine rating, which is being able to fly airplanes that have two engines. Mm -hmm. and through a sequence of unfortunate events with aircraft breaking down and actually various other things, um, I have had to have my check ride moved multiple times. Well, somebody who traditionally has kind of a heat to win mindset and has kind of done things like this in to me in my past, decided to run out and get their multi-engine rating first. And when I found out about this, I actually smiled. And I recently shared this to my Instagram story as well, that, you know, I'm not here for the win. I'm here for the journey and the life experience. And if I've inspired somebody to do something and follow lockstep, I will be your biggest cheerleader because there are plenty of crowns to go around and I don't need to feel negatively or badly or competitive with someone else's journey, right? Like that does not need to happen. And I feel really badly for people that take that approach in life, because I think it's a, it's a road to a lot of um, turmoil and angst. I don't mm -hmm. think that you're ever going to find that thing you're going for when that's your driving factor. Now, that being said, I think a woman scorned can be a very powerful force. <laughs> um, I've done quite a few things in my life just to show somebody I could. <laughs> Which isn't necessarily a poor motivation. Right. Sometimes we need that external push, right? However right. it comes, whether it's unknown by the person you get the push from, like you, you didn't know you were pushing anybody to accomplish something, right? Right. right? And sometimes we do. You know, I, I have to say, you see those posts, Michaela, where it's like, you know, whoever doesn't believe in you, you know, basically shove it in their face when you're successful. And I always thought, well, doesn't that take your energy away from the goal and it puts it in the wrong place. Like you might be successful, but where's the joy and the accomplishment when all you're worrying about is this person who probably hasn't even thought about you technically. You're the one that's obsessed with it. Right. And what they're thinking or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's actually, um, you know, Carolyn Miss has a book, um, Anatomy of Spirit. And that kind of speaks to her idea that, um, you know, that's really giving away your power that you already yeah. have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, isn't that funny? 
because we feel like we're taking our power when the reality is in that mindset, in that situation, you're handing it over. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I tend to kind of take an approach in life in general. A lot of people, you know, have said, oh my gosh, I had no idea you've written these books or this or that. I'm kind of a doer and I, I just, it, I do it. And then I just enjoy my experience, right? So a lot of people didn't even know I got my pilot's license for a long time. I didn't even, I didn't even put that out there until it was done. And I started sharing aviation videos, really. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my approach. I tend to be, and this is one of the reasons that, you know, writing this, anybody who, who gets the workbook and works through it is going to find you learn a lot about your style and the way that you approach the world. And for me, my personal experience is it's really hard to find cheerleaders. It's a, it's a lot easier to find people that are looking to sabotage you. And so I tend to kind of take more of a, you know, work under the scenes, work hard and come out with blazing saddles rather than look at what I'm doing. Wow. Isn't this cool? Look at all the stuff I'm doing, you know? And I think in one way that's protecting me from a fear of failure, right? Like if I go silently into the night and it doesn't work out, then I don't have to explain why it didn't work out to people. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's interesting because I, I think I operate the same way that you do. You know, I just, I find it personally I think it's difficult for some people to toot their own horn for other people. That's all they do is toot their own horn. And I don't know if that's connected to a limited or growth mindset. If it's partially, it's probably a mix of things, right? Like personality, life experience, that sort of thing. But let's talk about how someone can build a growth mindset. How does someone shift their paradigm to that possibility and opportunity and seeing the world as a, you know, kind of like the world is your oyster, right? How can we do that? I, th- I think there's a, there's a few components to this that, you know, in, for the sake of brevity, that can really be helpful for somebody listening. And the first thing is, uh, you know, oftentimes you'll hear people say, just buck up, you're fine. Or, um, you know, sure, feel sad. You're, you're entitled to this. And I think what happens is people get stuck in one of these two mindsets first which is either I'm going to buck up and completely squash everything that I'm feeling about this event, or I'm going to become a victim to the event. Mm -hmm. And so I think that having a, having some awareness into the way that you respond to things that happen and then really finding balance in that spot is the first key to a growth mindset, because either one of those is not good, right? So if we're just squashing down everything that we're feeling and moving on, we're missing opportunities to identify ways that we could have improved how we respond, what it means to us, what our experience of it was, what we want to have as different experiences or do differently next time. Um, And the flip side of that is if we get stuck in a victim mindset of, oh, woe is me, this is so horrible. And we allow that to drive our decisions for the next however long, we start to really lose control of what we're capable of doing. And so I think number one is just create balance in the reaction to an experience. And this can be as simple as just taking a very deep breath when something is affecting you and saying, okay, this is sucky. I'm going to give myself 15, 20, 30 minutes to just kind of 
feel what I'm feeling about this. Mm-hmm. And then at that time, I'm going to do something different. And uh, that, that allows a really nice balance for feeling it, experiencing it, and then moving on in a positive way. Mm. I feel like involved in that process is what we say in our minds about the situation as well, right? How we frame it can really help us either get move through it or feel stuck. I think the ticker tape is a really important part. Like what is the running narrative that's happening in your head? And, you know, frankly, I'm a fan of experiencing all of the emotions on the spectrum. I'm a fan of being pissed off. I'm a fan of being super ecstatic and elated. I'm a fan of, you know, existing in the blase lukewarmness. But don't stay in any one of those spots for very long, right? Like creating that mindset where you're able to validate yourself, really acknowledge what you're going through. The second kind of top high level component to this is, uh, you know, a lot of times we find ourselves doing things because it's what we think other people want. And so if you're operating from that mindset all the time, you're really missing windows of opportunities to expand and grow in a direction that suits you better. And you're also really creating opportunities for building resentment. And I'll often have clients in my psychotherapy practice that come in complaining about their work life. And, you know, they, they want to blame everybody at work for their, the way that they're behaving or what they're doing. And, you know, my very first question is, are you happy? Mm. And I'm not suggesting we all have to be happy all the time, but are you happy? Well, no. Okay. So in what way is your unhappiness affecting everybody around you? Yeah. That con you're putting yourself in context, right? How is this impacting the world you live in? Exactly. In what way is your energy and your attitude affecting this? Mm. And I think that uh, when we realize that we're doing things because we think everybody else wants us to be a certain way or do a certain thing, and we start to kind of ask ourselves why, um, that's when we can really start to have a lot of growth uh, in a direction that we want to go. So there's a whole subconscious process that unfolds every day. This is actually really wild. So you and I are talking right now. We're very present and engaged with one another. But my subconscious mind is processing everything else that is happening in my environment. So it's processing the way that the light is moving across the floor, indicating a shift in daytime. It's processing the sounds outside. And that's all part of our human survival. But it doesn't shut off, right? Our subconscious mind does not shut off. And so if our, if we have convinced ourselves that we are doing things because so-and-so or this, or this is the right thing, but we don't actually have an awareness of what our true intention is, then we're always living with a disconnect. Mm -hmm. And when you start to say, for example, let's just say that I decide that I need to have sushi today. I need to have it. It's something I want. I haven't had sushi in a while. I'm going to make sushi happen today. Now, every decision that I make from this moment forward subconsciously has sushi 
in the back of my mind, right? So I'm yeah. going to be mindful of the fact that you and I are going to be done at a certain time and that I have to pick my son up from school at a certain time. And I'm going to start to think about, well, what roads am I going to take and how am I going to get there to create enough space between when you and I talk and when I have to get my son to get myself some sushi. Yes. You know, and, and these subconscious processes start to happen when we have a direction. And so I think that this is a, the second important component. Mm, that's really a powerful thought, you know, that it's basically maybe unintentionally setting an intention. We, exactly. we think it's this little thought, but it's actually directing us somewhere. Yeah. And then everything that we do throughout the day subconsciously starts to work toward achieving that goal. Mm. The thing that's powerful about that from a brain science standpoint is we can utilize that to move in a positive direction. Am I right? Absolutely. And the flip side of it is often people do the opposite, right? Mm. So like it's the classic, like, what was that book? The secret or whatever, you know, I'm never going to find a good parking spot at the mall. And yeah. so then now you're all right. That's what we're going to work toward. Not finding a good parking spot at the mall. <laughs> you know, the way in which we talk to ourselves and the way in which we make decisions really affects that. Mm. That's an, that's an interesting conversation to really think about. Not like you'll always get that perfect parking spot, but it's the, it's the possibility, isn't it? It's the seeing the opportunities. It's seeing those synchronicities in life. It's being open to things moving in a direction that you want them to go. Because I think life is more like a river anyway, right? It doesn't flow in one straight line downhill. It's going to hit obstacles, trees, rocks, you know, banks, debris. And I think our life is very much like that. And this limited mindset is like, oh, there's another rock. I'm never going to get around this one, right? Yep. And the growth mindset is like, yeah, you know, I've hit some rocks before. That was a cool experience. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's interesting. And how do you help people with your book to, to do that? Are there activities? Are there mindset shifts? What does that look like? Yeah. So the book is actually a workbook. And so it, it really, it has a lot of like self-assessment quizzes and things like that for you to kind of identify, oh, you know, I didn't realize I'm operating in this mindset, but it appears that I am, or um, I didn't realize that I'm putting this much weight and gravity into what somebody else thinks, but I am. Mm. That um, it, There's a lot in the book too, with ego. And how ego drives so much of a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, right? Like how we, how we want to present ourselves to the world and how can you tap into a space that's a little bit more transparent and vulnerable and just say, you know, I'm going for this and I might fall flat on my face, but if I do, at least I've had the experience, you know, mm. and I often tell people, you don't build a castle, from the top down, right? Like you start right. with a foundation and then it takes all of these different components and experiences and things that build it up, that create it. And I think often we think we have to go from foundation to the end game. You know, we look right. at somebody like Elon Musk who has had 13, I think there might even be more, but I know for sure 13 of Elon Musk's businesses went bankrupt, you know? You don't, you don't think about it. You don't hear about it, but in right. order to have the success he's had, he had a lot of failures. 
he learned from those failures to create new and different ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. It's like Richard Branson, right? The same idea. It's that renegade mindset of, you know what? You're just going to run through the failures. You're going to move through them because on the other end, there will be a success. It's that idea that instead of focusing on, oh, these failures, well, there's another one. I'm a loser. No, it's like, okay, what didn't work, right? Yeah. Looking for the open door, looking for that little sliver of light that points you in the next right direction. Yeah. And so I'll use, um, I'll use sports as a good example. I, I, I see this a lot. I'll see this. I was at my son's baseball game the other last weekend. Uh, Oh God, there was the cutest little angry kid out there. And every (laughs) time that he got a strike called on him, he's like, what? no way. And he's slamming down the bat and the whole thing. I mean, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm like, wow, he could really use some mindful skills. But the thing is, is right. Being caught up in that negative experience of the failure over and over and over again, doesn't allow the space for you to go, well, that sucked, but what did I do? Or what didn't I do? Or could I have dropped, you know, bat swung the bat a little sooner or could I have waited and swung the bat a little later he's missing the opportunity to improve his own experience because he's staying in that first you know emotion Mm -hmm. that's a powerful thought because really we have hundreds of those experiences sometimes in a week don't we whether it's in a relationship an interaction with someone how we responded when we got the cup of coffee we weren't happy with right all of these opportunities. And you mentioned ego. I think that's an interesting conversation because I think ego drives a lot of what we do. Do you find that to be true? It's funny. And ego is one of those, again, really important survival tactics, right? Like it's the put on your oxygen mask first thing at its most basic. It's survival. Uh, but where we get stuck in it is, you know, I see this all the time with my clients that are entrepreneurs that have achieved a level of success. I've done this. And so I know it, and there's nothing that I can be taught, right? Like, uh, yeah, there's a good example of the way in which ego can lead to a very fixed mindset. I already know it. You're not going to teach me anything. I'm the boss hog of this realm, right? I achieved the success. Well, a really good example of this is the taxi cab industry, right? And then Uber comes out. (laughs) Rocks their world, rocks their world. Because they were stuck in a, we've got the edge on the market and, you know, this is all that there is and we're doing it. They charge an exorbitant prices for a, you know, two second cab ride in New York. Mm -hmm. Here's Uber all of a sudden. And then, you know, Uber's thinking they've got the market on, oh, you know, driving people around. Well, now suddenly there's DoorDash. And, you know, like, so just seeing the ways in which if you're going to operate in a fixed mindset, when you think you've achieved success, someone's going to come behind you and they're going to improve upon your success. Mm -hmm. So don't let that be your, your glass ceiling, you know, shatter that and keep going. Wow. Yeah. It's causing blindness. It's like putting blinders on, right? That idea of growth and learning is so pivotal in our lives to continue to move forward. I mean, you could, I suppose, Michaela, you could, as a person, someone could say, this is my success. This is my experience. I'm going to sit right here. I'm just going to sit here. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to do anything different because it works. And I don't have to, you know, I don't have to do any extra effort. 
Yep. But you make a good point. Well, with that comes, I guess, natural competition, right? Somebody sees what you do and they're going to best you. Now you might be okay with that, but if, I don't know, in my head, I'm having this line, like you want to live your own life and you don't want to be too focused on what other people are doing, but there still is this reality that we live in, right? That we're not an island. So depending on what your goals are and where you want to get, you, you do have to, on some level, be aware that there is that, there is that element, especially in business, of competition and improvement yeah. and growth, right? And, but, but personally, we have the same opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I see this a lot with, with parents, right? They'll say, I'm a great mom or <laughs> I'm you know, a great dad. And then, then they come into session like, oh my God, I caught my kid doing drugs, right? Your mindset that I've got this on lock mm. allow you to recognize the ways in which you maybe weren't, that you maybe didn't have it on lock. And then you always have, my daughter said this one time we were on a road trip. She's like, people are the ultimate variable. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So yep. true. And we use that saying all the time now because- you know, we can only do what we can do. Yeah. And I think as parents, as partners, business, marriage, whatever, we have more control over, I guess, the outcomes. Because if I'm the, my best, right, it improves my relationship. If I see where I'm weak, now this is the other side of the conversation. I still have the opportunity to be better. Uh, being aware of my weaknesses isn't a limited mindset. It's how I perceive and deal with that reality that makes it either limited or growth. Am I right? Yeah, positively. I mean, I see this uh, in, especially in parenting where it's like, gosh, you know, I didn't, I didn't probably show up in the best way that I could have shown up. I felt maybe overly entitled to the fact that my kid didn't get ready for school and brush their teeth and I screamed and yelled and whatever. And if you can recognize that, that weakness, right, that I got impulsive and I yelled or I this or that, and now everybody's morning is not going great, there's opportunity for growth. Right. Or we can stay stuck. I was in an, a situation where I was at Disneyland. I was just kind of sitting on these steps on Main Street, just relaxing. My girls had some friends with them and they were wandering the park. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm just going to go sit and relax. It's fall. They have all the decorations. I got myself a cup of something to drink. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to sit here with my tea. And I was having a really nice time relaxing. And then this younger mother, somewhere in her 20s, probably, and her daughter were standing next to me and she'd lost her phone, the mother. And she went into a whole tirade. The tizzy. <laughs> well, she blamed her daughter's being a distraction to her life, basically, causing her to lose her phone. Ooh. But but the interesting thing was that the child reacted like this. Well, you had it. So there's obviously a dynamic there. You know, and you look at that and you think personalities will adjust in different ways. Like we can screw up and it might be okay. But in that moment, I wanted to step in. I didn't because it was none of my business. But you have that moment where you're like, gosh, if you could just shift to partnership, right? Yeah. Can you help me find my phone? Yes, let's think through where we've been. What have we done? You know what I mean? But it is, it is interesting because that mindset was so focused on blame, you know, yeah. and anger. 
And I have worked through anger myself, and I know how controlling that can be in your life. Well, and to speak to the point, it's that narrative. This is being done to me. To me. Mm-hmm. That gets you into that sticky situation of rather than, well, I could have been more mindful about what I was doing with my phone when things got hectic, but instead, you know, mm. and, and, and likewise, I think that the phone is an interesting component to this because this is the areas in which we get stuck. It's something that we feel very attached to mm. that, you know, we're almost addicted to that. We think we can't function without. And so now there's not like this rational thought that happens. There's a whole different type of mindset that we're coming at it with. That's interesting. And I think you're right. It has become irreplaceable. Yeah. We don't do anything without it here. And I, I don't even know what I'm doing next without my, you know, alarms and buzzers and everything. (laughs) Um, There's actually a really, a really, uh, there's a, an exercise in the workbook that's actually on this. It's actually about detachment from your cell phone for a minute and tapping into how you feel mm. without that lifeline. And uh, I think that that's just, a. I mean, we walk around with one of the most addictive substances on the planet. Yes, right. And we, it's like food. It's become a necessity. Yes. And so what happens when, you know, you don't get that craving that you desire, you're going to go to that angry place. You're not going to think rationally or calmly. Mm, it's, it's kind of brain chemistry, isn't it? I mean, it's more, it's deeper than just the phone and the situation. Yeah. I've seen people in sheer panic over losing their cell phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's an interesting, that's an interesting thing that's happened in our world. I, we joke about Sometimes my husband and I, it's like, remember when, you know, you had to drive, if you were driving, you'd have to find a payphone. So you always had to have like change in your car if you couldn't get home because there were no phones. We were just talking about this the other night with um, asking some teenagers, what is a collect call? They had no (laughs) idea. What is the yellow pages? They had no idea. I mean, you know, we remember those things and we remember as teenagers, right? We had to, if we wanted to talk to our boyfriend, we had to get through mom and dad answering the phone first, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm mm-hmm. calling for Billy and then, you know, their Billy's mom or dad is like, how are you doing, Sarah? You know, <laughs> you know, and you're like, having to go through this entire mental health process to the kids these days, they don't have that. They just direct text, you know, Sarah directly texts Billy and yes. they're aging without any kind you know. Yeah. Remember when we got into broadband, you know, we're, we're going on a tangent here, but like you couldn't have the phone and the computer. You're right. like, Oh, but if you think about it at the most fundamental, this is fixed versus growth mindset. You know uh, there's old people old people that still won't use a cell phone. It's scary. It terrifies the heck out of them, right? So is that a fixed mindset or is that a successful growth mindset? I don't know. It's hard to say. (laughs) But you know, it does bring up an interesting point that change inevitably comes and hard and, and uncomfortable things inevitably come. Sometimes they come in the form of technology. Sometimes they come in the form of relationships. Sometimes they come in the form of a job change, right? Well, how we deal with that in our mindset first yep. is 
where the success or the difficulty, failure, whatever word you want to use actually takes place, right? Am I right? Yeah, exactly. So if we shift our mental perspective, yep. and how do we deal with our egos? Because that I think is more sometimes a therapy conversation, really, you know, how we observe ourselves, what we think we're capable of, how we fit in the world. We have ideas about who we are and what we're capable of. And I think that also impacts a growth or a limited mindset. Am I right? Yeah. And so I had an interesting conversation with a client the other day, and I thought that this was a really good way to kind of start thinking about ego. When you walk into a room, do you walk in as your resume? And mm. you know, are you walking in and trying to immediately prove yourself? Right. Look at all the things I'm capable of or all the things I do. This is who I am. Or are you walking in as an observer? Mm. And this is a very telltale indicator of where you are operating from an ego standpoint. And if you're walking in as a resume, then you know that you probably have some self-confidence issues that you need to work through and that you are probably showing up ego oriented. And I have a personality that can trigger personalities. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. People are like, you're really intimidating. And I think to myself, huh, never in my mind did I think I'm intimidating. Like it's not an intention of mine. And it's very fascinating how stronger personalities like mine cause like these reactions from people. And it can really cause like you see the limited in the growth mindset in people in those moments. Yeah. I actually recently had somebody say that to me that, that, (laughs) that I present on social media with like a effort attitude. I don't care. I'm going to tell you how I feel, take it or leave it. Right. Right. Spend some time with me in real life. They were like, wow, that's not who you are at all. And so it's interesting even how social media has affected the way that we appear. I remember the first mm. time we went on a NBC or CBS out of LA. I forget which one it was. And uh, <laughs> the tagline before I went on, and this was back when TV was still in person, you know, you didn't do Zoom. Uh-huh. And they said, happiness expert, Michaela Renee Johnson. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> crap okay (laughs) here we go with that (laughs) so it's funny the ways in which you know other people's perceptions of us can really influence the ways in which we engage and or show up it's kind of interesting none of this is a straightforward and simple thing but I'm assuming that your book helps people to dial in a little bit more on areas or opportunities for growth opportunities for shifts in the way that we think. Yeah. By the end of the workbook, I feel like, and, you know, it kind of outlines a suggestion of how to do it, but, you know, I always tell like when I'm working with clients and stuff about journaling and things like this, if it becomes a chore, you need to ask yourself, why, what Mm -hmm. is it that's holding you back and what, what, what are you needing to prioritize and how are you looking at things? But if somebody were to do the workbook, within the 90 or so days that it's kind of intended to do it at the end, they would have one thing that they have positively 
Uh, and I, I, and I, I strain to use terms like positive and negative, but they would have shifted in their life for their betterment. And it's ongoing, right? It's not a one and done kind of experience because when we remove one thing, there's always something that bubbles up behind it, isn't there? Absolutely. And I do think that, uh, you know, this is, this is that ever learner approach to things. So, um, you know, there's no finale, right? Until we're under on the other side of the dirt, (laughs) there's no finale here. So I think that's the important part is that this is just a part of the journey. Mm -hmm. That perspective alone can really free you up, can't it? Not getting stuck in this moment as such a big pivotal unovercomable thing, right? Yeah. And I still find myself looking back on things that I allowed other people to influence me to do or not do. And it's always the things that I allowed other people to, to influence me to not do that I struggle with the most. Um, I was just remembering this morning, right before we came on, I was remembering that quite a few years ago, this was a long time ago, Um, you know, I had said to my partner at the time, how cool would it be to have like an online counseling office where people that are maybe anxious to come into counseling or live in rural areas or whatever could go online and do a session. And his reply was, that's so effing dumb. Nobody would ever do that. Why would anybody do that? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, I guess they wouldn't. That's not a good, that's a terrible idea. Why did I even have that? That's a terrible idea. And now this morning, I'm, you know, as I'm getting ready for the day, I'm thinking how, where could I have been in my life if I was not leading with that fixed mindset, right? Of either allowing what other people say or allowing myself to stop myself or whatever. How many things could I have tried and maybe failed at, failed at, but at least have the experience. I would much rather go through life saying, been there, done that, than never tried that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it taps into people, like you talked about ego. We're afraid, I think, to take those risks because they feel like risks. People say, people often say, gosh, you've done so, so many different things in your life. I I had an all girl rock band. I've hiked to the top of Mount Whitney and Half Dome. I've, you know, gotten the pilot's license. We can list all these Granta Marathon. I've done all these crazy things. And it's just because I was willing to take the risk. I was willing Mm. to try. I was willing to fail, fail. I was willing to not achieve the thing. Yeah. True, True story. I did not run. I did not finish my first marathon that I trained for. I finished the second one, but not the first one. So, you know, that's part of life, right? Like is being willing to take a risk and not see it through. Mm. It's kind of what you're focused on less about the thing itself. It seems like. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the experience is the vehicle that gets you to the actual goal, which is how you grow, what you learn, who you become through that experience. Yeah. What I learned from running a marathon twice and only finishing once is that I never want to run a marathon again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was horrible. I I still, my toenail is still not the same. I I changed my shoes like an idiot and it ended up getting black and falling off and it never grew back in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just one of those things where, 
you know, um, even when we achieve what we set out to, we can still decide, yeah, I didn't care for that. <laughs> well, and then we know, though, right? Yeah. We know that's not the thing we enjoy. Yep. I'm like, <laughs> half marathons are my top number from now on. <laughs> I love a good walk, speed walking 5K myself. But I don't. Right. Exactly. 3.2. <laughs> that's right. I'll walk that sucker. I'll have a good time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now, Michaela, if if you were to encourage the listeners today, three ways that they could begin to apply or or identify even where they're at on this mindset scale. Are they toward a limited? Are they more growth? And it could be both, right? Depending on the areas, we might run on both sides of that track, depending on what's happening. What three things would you encourage people to uh, consider? I would say number one, just create balance in the way you respond to things and events and people in your life. Mm. Find that balance between the two emotional sides of things. Um, and the second thing is uh, be willing to accept your findings, right? Be willing to accept the things you learn about yourself without judgment but just as part of your journey, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a good person because you're operating in one mindset or the other. Just be willing to say, oh, that's interesting. I'd like to explore that more. Mm -hmm. So having an open mindset is even more important (laughs) than either of the other two. And, um, Lastly, I would say that aside from creating balance is having an acceptance that everything that you have, that has been difficult or challenging in your life up until this very moment, you have survived. (laughs) So that can give you a lot of hope about your resiliency and your grit and your capability and that you are a lot more than you even realize. That's incredible. Yeah. We talk about that a lot on the podcast. We talk about how, you know, you come to this midlife point and we, we have dialogue from the culture, right? We have dialogue that's kind of like, basically in encouraging invisibility, if you will. But if we take stock of our own life and our own experiences, both positive and negative, both good and bad, whatever words you want to use, successes and failures, how much have we accomplished? Who have we been? The things, not even just things that we've done, like actual activities, but, you know, how many, how many different jobs have you had? How many different things did you learn in each one of those jobs? How, you know, all the volunteer things you begin to realize there's probably thousands of skills (laughs) and experiences that have accumulated to bring you here. Yeah. Why could we not do that with all of this evidence of what we are capable of? Yeah. Yeah. And in what ways are you putting yourself on a shelf for, for mm. later? And in what ways are you keeping yourself small? You know? And for what reason, really? And why? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
do we are we guaranteed later? I don't think we're guaranteed later. So we need to take that action now. No, I ate a cronut yesterday just <laughs> because I was not guaranteed today. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to go get an apple fritter. <laughs> oh my gosh, the cronuts is a croissant donut. Yes. There's so good. Whoever invented that thing, hats off. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> Michaela, how can people find you? The best way is to go to beyoufindhappy.com, B-E-Y-O-U findhappy.com. And and your podcasts and all links are there? All the things are there. (laughs) All the things, Michaela. I also do a really cool thing because I'm always, you know, touting and promoting journaling. And so one of the things that I do is um, uh, people can sign up for my e-journal, which comes out every couple weeks, like eight weeks or so. And it's, it's me journaling about something that has happened in my life and then providing prompts to the people that follow the e-journal to explore this concept or topic on their own. So it's always something fun that's happened. That's gossipy and drama and fun. And, um, and I'm just kind of journaling like I would. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just something kind of different than a typical blog or newsletter. Ah, very interactive. Yeah, exactly. And then they can go take the prompts and explore. And so the next one is going to be on competition and crowns. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, it's going to be like the beauty pageant style blog. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Michaela, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and for sharing your expertise and, you know, having this courage to move toward writing these books and putting this message out here that's going to impact and influence women and men, I'm sure, to shift their life in a way that's going to make them the better version of themselves as they take courage. So thank you so much for doing that for us. Absolutely. And thanks for having me on. It was a great conversation. Yes. Thank you. Friends, today, if you head on over to www.feminineroadmap.com forward slash episode 292, I will have links there to Michaela. If you are on YouTube, just look down below. You're going to have those links right there in the description. And please remember to subscribe and share. Today, we have talked about your possibility. There's a limited mindset. There's a growth mindset. And, And thinking about why we do what we do and how much more we could accomplish if we allowed ourselves. I want you to remember, friends, that you were created for a purpose. And yes, you can. We're not saying it's easy. We're not saying it's fast. And we're not saying there are guarantees. But why not spend the life you have doing the things that are in your heart to do and just get curious about the process of experiencing these things? You never know where you're going to end up. So take courage, my friends. Take some action and reach out to Michaela and see if there's some way that you can move forward in your life in a way you never thought possible, but you possibly dreamed. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to sharing more inspirational conversations with you in the weeks to come. Take care, my friends. Bye-bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.